This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. All right, we're going. That's getting the word here, and um, I have uh, a little bit I want to cover, and I'm going to try and um, stick with it. In Isaiah 53, verse 4, is very familiar verse to us, and we, um, this should be a whole chapter that you just uh, really meditate on, Isaiah 53, because it talks about the work of the cross, and really what I t- want to talk about today is keeping things simple, <clears throat> and this is what the Lord's been uh, ministering to me, so you get to hear what he's been ministering to me. You know, there's a term, how many have heard the, uh, uh, the, when people say kiss, keep it simple, saint, not stupid, saint, keep it simple, saint, and uh, I think that's where uh, we need to be, and, and you'll see why as I, I get into this teaching that we need to keep things simple. We can get pretty complicated. And we can make things uh, a little bit hard to digest, but we need to keep it simple uh, for people. But the truth is, there's something about the simplicity of the gospel. In Isaiah 53, this is from the, um, the Bible in the Living English Version. So it says, He was despised and avoided by men, a man of pains and familiar with sickness, like one from whom people screened their faces. We despised him, did not agree. Our pain, in fact, it was our sicknesses he was carrying. Our pains he was loaded with, while all the time we thought he was a spitting one, struck by God and disciplined, that he was being stabbed by our crimes, failed by our guilt. The chastisement to give us soundness came on him, and by his stripes we got healing. So we, we see here, when you study this out, you see that sin and healing or sickness and disease was all taken care of at the cross. If, you know, we'll say we can all easily, and Christianity can, I think, readily agree if we say God forgives all sins all the time, we even say, yes, he does forgive. But if we say he forgives all sins, then we, have to, we can't say, well, he heals sometimes. Or we'd have to say he forgives sins sometimes. You know, your sin's kind of bad, so, you know, I think that's too bad for the cross. He, he's not going to forgive that one. It, it's, it's silly to us. But really, since they happened at the same time, the same price paid for both of them, the stripes upon us back. We can't say, well, God heals sometimes, but he forgives sins all the time. Jesus, you remember he said, which is easier? Your sins are forgiven or take up your bed and walk. And he was linking the two together, saying, really, when someone is healed, it's showing proof and manifestation that God forgives sins. Every time someone's sins are forgiven, it's demonstration, manifestation that God still heals. 
because it was all fulfilled at the cross. And we have to get our thinking straight and get understanding on this. So the main thing I want us to get in, I'll, I'll drive it home, but every promise of God, every uh, provision of God is based on the cross, based on the finished work of the cross, is founded on that. So any other foundation is sinking sand. You're not going to get the promise or the provision, you know, that God's um, purchased and bought for us at the cross. So if everything is based on that, so he, what he accomplished at the cross and our acceptance of that by faith, period. That's the formula. Or I say, you know, we don't like to say formulas. We know it's a relationship with the Lord. And so I'm going to use formula, even though I, I know it's not just a formula. It's a relationship with God, a relationship with the Lord. Okay? Do I have your permission to use formula? Yes. It's going to fit with. Okay. So that's the formula. It's the same formula for salvation. The way you get born again is that it's based on what Jesus has done at the cross and our faith and acceptance of that. Period. The problem is, is when we want to put in additives and preservatives. When we add that to our formula, to our diet, it doesn't work anymore. It stops working. And we add things. And it's really interesting is when I went to Africa, we saw every, it was like the book of Acts. It was easy. Everyone's being healed. Uh, we had a baby that was dead, raised up. We had everything. People that weren't saved got, I mean, uh, yeah, weren't saved, got healed, then saved. And it was wonderful. And come back to America, and it just seemed like it was, why was this? And, you know, in my heart, I was thinking, well, it's belief system. I know that we have, you know, we can run down to Walgreens or whatever and get some uh, help for symptoms there. They couldn't. I mean, that was just it. So, But I think it's, it comes down to this. We have additives, and we add feelings. We add personal worthiness or personal unworthiness. We add emotions. We add these things to it. And when we do, we stop the formula. It, it doesn't work. So it's, it's simple. And what they have over there is just real simple. They don't have any other alternatives. You know, that's it. And I'm not saying we don't uh, thank God for doctors and, and God uses doctors. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm saying go to God first. But I'm saying we've got to get something out of the way. What is that something? What comes down to, there's, there's something always present when there's feelings, emotional, emotions, um, personal worthiness or personal unworthiness, and that is us-ins, you and I. What do we need to get out of the equation? Us. We are the ones in the way. Now, we know what a solar eclipse is. You have the sun shining, but something gets in way in front of the sun, and there's darkness. 
Some Christians are living with a solar eclipse. And the reason the sun is darkened is because of them, because of us. We're in the way. We're trying to add to. And that's the reason I get saved every week after I got saved. Because of feelings, emotions, and personal unworthiness. <laughs> My person was offending me all the time because I knew this wasn't the way a Christian was supposed to think or act, but it just came out of me. So I go back and get saved. But one day I realized that my personal unworthiness or worthiness in my feelings and my emotions had nothing to do with my salvation. Had nothing whatsoever. It was all based on what Jesus Christ did at the cross and my acceptance of what he did at the cross. I took me out of the equation and the church was so happy and glad that I was not getting saved every week. Because when you have to be told to stop, <laughs> something's wrong. And that's the way it is with every area of our life. We've got to keep the right formula. We've got to keep it simple, saint. In Matthew 8, verse 16, it says, When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, what we just read. He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. So Jesus was fulfilling Isaiah 53. But it's interesting when he says this, it says not some were healed. It says all were healed. I love that. He's saying this is fulfilled and it's for all. He said deliverance, they were delivered, they were healed, all of them. That's good news. That means it is, Isaiah 53 is for all, every single one of us, deliverance, healing, whatever the promise is, it's for all of us. But that's very unique that God put all. It was one of those all when it says is fulfilled. So it's based on what Jesus did for us. It's not about us. And we like to make it about us, but it's about him. But it's much easier when we make it about him. Amen? So we need the firm foundation of Jesus and his finished work at the cross. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So I just want to take these real quick. There's a whole bunch. There's so many scriptures you can use for this stuff. But hope, where does hope come from? Hope is a confident expectation. In Titus 2.13, it says, Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is called our blessed hope. He is our hope. If he is our hope and we're struggling with hope, we're not basing our hope on Jesus. We're basing our hope on us. And on us, we've had too many expected outcomes that didn't outcome the way we expected or wanted. It's called disappointment. But our hope is in God. 
and his hope does not disappoint. So our hope is in him. So if you're struggling with hope, the people say, I have no hope. Well, you're hoping in yourself. You've got additive. You're in the way because you're looking at yourself. And the truth is, without Jesus, we have no hope. But we got Jesus, so we got hope. 1 Timothy 1.1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God, our Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. He is our hope. I'm so glad that he is our hope. Our hope is in something that is unchangeable. Mm. Hallelujah. What about the love of God? Many struggle with experiencing God's love. But see, love is to be solely based on his love. On the cross. Any other foundation is what? Sinking sand. Romans 5, verse 5. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us. Say, God dearly loves me. Even when I don't feel like he does, he dearly loves me. Even when my personal unworthiness is in the way, or my emotions in the way, where are you, God? I don't feel your love. He dearly loves me. It's not based on my feelings or my emotions or what I see in the natural. It's based on the cross and what he did for us. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us, the Holy Spirit, Christ came at just with his love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and got and died for us sinners. So God's love is connected to Jesus. So it's always connected there. So if you're struggling with God's love for you, go to the cross. Go straight to the cross. Go connect it with Jesus. Base it on what Jesus has done. How do I know he loves me? Let me read you eight, Romans uh, eight thirty nine. Neither height nor death nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. There's that connection again. First John four eight. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son to the world that we might live through him. You want to know that God loves you. Jesus died for you when you were hopeless, destitute. Well, we weren't even around to do any good works, to feel good about it, or to feel bad about it, or to have some wrong emotions, whatever. He did it before we were. Before I could have any accomplishments, he did it. Before I could have any bad accomplishments, he did it. This thing is not based on me. His love. Now, I know you're special. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm special. 
I know, I know you're precious and you're special and you're, you're beautiful, but let me tell you, God doesn't love you because of that. He doesn't love you because you are precious. He loves you because he is love. Hallelujah. That is glorious. 1 John 4.10, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So love's always connected to Jesus. And see, we want feelings first, but if you'll get the truth, if you'll put the truth in you, feelings will follow. And we always, the world's got the other one, I feel. <laughs> not going to sing here. What is it? Feelings. <laughs> I need Jack to help me. I've got these dumb feelings. I need to get saved again. Take hold. <laughs> but see, it has nothing to do with my feelings. It's the love of God. <laughs> See how the world has it backwards. You're married. You might wake up one morning. Well, I don't feel married. Well, you are. <laughs> Got news for you, bud. You are. Get with the program. You better get ingrained in the truth and the feelings to follow. Faith. What about faith? Romans 10, 17. So faith comes by hearing. As hearing the good news about Christ. I used the New Living Translation here because we're used to, or I am, to the New King James hearing. Uh, comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And uh, many translators believe that it's the words of Christ or the, the gospel. Faith comes. And I have, is Christ God? I think we all will agree, so I have no problem with that since Christ is God. So it's from the message, it's from what he did for us, faith comes. And I believe that's true. What did he do for us? Everything is about the cross and the price that was paid. And my faith in that causes me to, it causes the word to come alive because that spoken word there, is rhema. It's not just you hearing like uh, you're just hearing it over and over. It's when you quicken, you come alive to it. You take hold and you grasp it. This is mine. That's when there's faith. So you might have to hear for a while. You might have to go some logos, uh, some written word. You might have to be reading it for a while. But don't just read it, skim over Read it. This is God speaking to me. Make it personal and receive that word. And all of a sudden, you have a quickened word. That was God just spoke to me. And he said he loved me. Wow. If God loves me, who can be against me? If God is always present with me, how can I fail? He loves me even when I mess up. Wow, what a... <laughs> this is awesome. Hebrews 12, verse 1 through 4. 
Told you I had a few here. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates, disregarding the shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives up in your struggle against sin. Anybody in here, uh, have you died since your struggle against sin? Or is everybody here? Okay, never mind. He's telling us we can even have endurance when we look to the love of God, what Jesus did for us. It causes us to keep going. There's endurance there, strength there. It all comes from the cross and what he did. 1 Timothy 1.14, and the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Faith and love in him. So faith for healing is based on what Jesus has done and our acceptance, our acceptance by faith of that. 1 Peter 2.24, who himself bore our sins in his own body and tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. So we don't, we don't beg God for healing. Because when you look at the cross, how many realize that's past tense? So the price for your healing has already been paid for, for we were even born. So you can, I believe you can get in the mode where you're looking at healing scriptures and say, God, you said this, and, and, but it becomes like you're trying to talk God into it. It's really unbelief. You're adding something to it when it's already done. You're adding that you're trying to talk God into something he's already done. Now, we would think that's, that's crazy in the natural, you know. Your, your child come to you, you know, Dad, did, did you get the birthday cake? Yeah, it's in the refrigerator. Dad, you need to get that birthday cake. You need to get the cake. Mom's going to be home. We got to have the cake. Get the cake. Get the cake. Son, what's, what's wrong with you? <laughs> don't talk about that cake again. I don't want to hear it. Where's the cake? I told you it's in the refrigerator. You can go in there and look at it. I don't need to. I need you to go get that cake. I know it's not there. <laughs> you promised. I love you some, but you need a timeout. <laughs> Your voice is causing me to be weary. Well, have a piece of cake when mom gets home. And if you go to your room and you're quiet, you will get a piece. If not, you're not having any cake. Oh. So the price is already paid. So what does that mean? And, and the healing teams, what we do, we're not praying from a place begging God for something. We're praying in, in line that's done. We're taking authority. That's what we do. We take authority over the sickness and disease. How do I do that? It's based on the cross. 
It's based on what Jesus has done. So we take authority and we release the life of God to a person. It's not based on how we feel. Do I like feelings? I do. But some of the biggest miracles I've seen, I didn't feel a thing. Didn't feel a thing. Told this before, but one of the times I was in a Christian uh, bookstore and I was actually in a hurry. I'd spent too much time there. I was running late. Because that was a dangerous place for me to be at. <laughs> so I'm in there and I'm ready to get out of there, get checked out. And a lady comes up, knew me and everything, and said her back, she'd been a doctor and all this. And um, I, I don't remember if she was facing surgery or what the deal was. She said, would you pray for me? And, uh, and it was just her look, you know, she was pain there and everything. So I said, okay. And it was not a okay with, you know, just, oh, yes, man of authority and power. I feel it pulsating in me. Power of God. No, I'm, I'm out the door. Half of me is out the door thinking I'm going to have to floor it to get back at work in time. I mean, this is, and I'm praying halfway inside. I pray that there's no policeman. I don't get a speeding ticket on the window. <laughs> and I'm thinking, this is going to be the quickest prayer. And I did, in the name of Jesus, be, and she's out. I mean, in the, in the store, she's like, I'm going, oh. And then you know, people are gathering around and all this. I go, oh, my goodness. You know, and there's a couple of people there. They don't know what's going on. Should we call the paramedics? You know, I said, oh, it's fine. Everything's okay. And, and all this. And, and I get in the car, and I'm just going, God, I'm, you know, I'm really sorry about this. I know my thinking, my, I just was not, I know it wasn't good. And it was almost like I heard the, kind, the Lord kind of laugh and say, it wasn't about you anyway. <laughs> Oh, thank you. <laughs> Just needed some hands there and somebody to say something. <laughs> oh, thanks. But, but it, it's, it's for, you know, the, the truth. It's, it's not based on us. Um, there was uh, Oral Roberts. Uh, there was a person that uh, he did not have feet. The woman brought her, her son to be prayed for. He had gone through his healing crusade. He'd lay hands on everyone, you know, thousands of people, and he was just so tired and just out of it. And they brought this woman to him, and she, um, you know, was carrying the son, had some shoes, brought shoes, brought new shoes. And uh, she said, would you pray? And he just goes, he goes, lady, I, j I just don't have another ounce of faith in me, something like that. And... Uh, she said, oh, it didn't matter. I got enough faith for both of us. I just want you to lay hands. It's okay. Lay hands, you know, nut, and boop, feet kick out, grow out, pop the shoes on. And he goes, Lord, I just had a teaching moment. That's what he <laughs> He learned it's, it's about him. And that's the way we, even when you minister out, we've got to remember it's about him. And don't let your feelings or your 
awful morning where you burnt a toast and kicked a dog get in the way because it has nothing to do with that. Take authority. Luke 7, verse 3. When he had heard about Jesus, this centurion, when he had heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly. Now, I want you to see their emotions. The centurion sent the, these uh, to Jesus, and they're begging Jesus. They beg him earnestly, saying, the one for whom he should do this was deserving. What's that? Personal worthiness. So that we've got emotions involved or feelings, and we got deserving or personal worthiness. Saying the one whom he should do this was deserving, for he loves our nation, and he is one. The synagogue, he's built a church for us. Jesus, if anyone deserves it, it's this one. This centurion, he deserves it. But you, you read down a little bit, it says, and what did the centurion do? It said, you're not worthy to come under my roof. Say the word only because I'm a man under authority. And I can tell a soldier to go and they go. And I know you have authority over sin and sickness. What happened? He recognized the cross that was coming. He recognized what Jesus, who he was, and what he was going to do. And he tapped into that. That's where you tap into the authority of God when you base it all on the cross. And you get out the additives and preservatives. You go all natural. I'm going raw, baby. The cross. The cross, nothing but the cross and the blood of Jesus and the resurrection power. When you get to the cross and put your faith in that, it never fails. Because the safest place, the most simple place for something to be is where something's already been done. And it's already been done. So no variableness or shadow <laughs> of turning can get in and mess it up because it's already done. It's already finished. Healing's been bought and paid for, and we have authority over it. Hallelujah. So I don't care if it's the swine flu, the bird flu, the dinosaur flu, Walgreen flu, the school flu. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if it's cancer. Doesn't matter what it is. Nothing's too hard for him because he covered it all. And we have authority. Hallelujah. Oh, that's shouting ground. Get me excited here. Let me see if I can finish this thing. Acts chapter 9. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. Never, ever name your child Dorcas. That's just, a, that's just a less side note. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her disciples that had heard that Peter was there. They sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. 
Then Peter arose and went with them. When he had come, they brought him to the upper room. All the window, widows stood by him weeping. What well, we got here? Feelings, emotions. Showing the tunics and the garments with Dorcas had made while she was with them. Deserving personal worthiness. She had made all these things. She had done, accomplished all this. Uh, made while she was with them. But verse 40, but Peter put them all out. Now that really stood out to me. How does that speak to us? Put them, let me finish it. And knelt down and prayed and turning, I just messed up my thing. Turning, where'd my scripture go? No, I mean, I, I, I lost it here on my screen. I hit the screen. Oh. Well, y'all can read it. Oh, turning to the body, Tabitha arise, and she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up, and then he gave her hand and lifted her up, and when he had called the saints and the widows, he presented her alive. So what this spoke to me is put out of your life self-centeredness, where you're putting yourself is the variable in this. Take yourself out and be Christ-centered. Take self out of the way. And this is, this is something I think we always have to be working on. It's easy to get self in there. So you must find healing in Jesus before you can find it in you. You must find healing in Jesus before you can find it in you. And then, uh, side note, only place where we see Jesus going to a person without them coming to him was at the pool of Bethesda. Remember, it had five porches. It was a pool in Jerusalem. There was a man there. He said, there's no one to put me in the water. Five porches, which meant uh, five is the number for grace. Bethesda means house of mercy. So here comes Jesus. This person didn't come to him. He went to them. At where? At the house of mercy on the porch of grace. And lifts him up and says, and but he issued a faith thing, says, arise and go forth. There's mercy. There's grace. In verse 3, available to us. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3, But I fear lest somehow, as serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. So I was thinking about this simplicity. Simplicity is that it's already accomplished thing. And I think I've, I've shared this before, but uh, I'm a sports fan and... I like the Memphis Grizzlies. And what do I do? I record all their games. God invented this thing called the DVR. Thank you, Jesus. And he did it for us sports fans, mainly. I know some of you are doing your favorite shows, but sports fans, that's what was really, it was a cry that went up a, a wailing in the spirit that God, okay, never mind. So 82 games is a lot of games. And I very seldom watch one live 
I might just catch, you know, part of a game. It's 82 games. That's a lot of games. It takes a lot of your time and stuff. So what do I do? I DVR them so they're set to record automatically. And what do I do? I check the score. If they lost, I don't watch that game. <laughs> I don't watch it. Now what happens if they won? I'm going to watch this one. I haven't got to watch too many games lately. <laughs> but anyway, that's another matter of prayer. But, but you know what? When I sit and I watch that game, that I don't get worried or, you know, they're down by 20 points or they're making a bunch of dumb mistakes, turnovers and stuff, I don't get upset or worried at all. I'm just eating away, just enjoying the game. Why? Because I have knowledge and understanding that they've already won this game. And it may look like in the natural, there is no way they're going to win this game. I mean, they are, you know, God just fell over his own foot, you know, they... They're fouling each other. They both just grabbed a rebound, and then they both walked together, and <laughs> they lost the ball. And yeah, I'm just going, what in the world? But I know what we need to do is we've already won the game. Let's see what us Christians, what we need to do is get our DVR out. The word DVR. This thing is already won. So I don't have to get upset at what's happening in the circumstances, in the natural, or even some feeling that tries to come or, or whatever. Because this thing is already accomplished and already done. All I have to do is believe that it's already done. Believe that he has paid the price in full, that he has ransomed me. His blood has been spilled. He has paid the price. And keep self out of the way. And when I get out of the way of the sun, it says in Malachi, the sun of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That is the simplicity of this thing. Don't make it complicated. We like to make things complicated, but it's not. It's simple. Mm. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Let's just lift our hands for a moment. Father, we thank you for your word. We give you praise. We thank you for the cross. Thank you for the price that has been paid in full. This thing is already done. Victory is ours. Jesus has paid the price for our sins. He's taken our shame, our guilt, our fears. He's taken even the, the, the emotions. He's taken sickness and disease and every infirmity. He's taken it. And paid the price for it in full. Oh, what great love he has loved us with. And loves us with. And Father, we refuse to get self in the way.
but we keep our focus on you. Running the race, looking at Jesus. Running the race, always having the cross before us. Mm. Now, a thought just came to me. I know that we're to carry our cross, but I, you know, but what if, if we were carrying the cross with this meaning we're carrying the full what he did with us, always carrying the cross of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you for the simplicity of the gospel. Thank you, Lord, that Healing is here. You are present with us. We honor you. We worship you. Thank you that nothing is too hard for you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. And when you look to the cross, there are no limits Many times we're limiting the unlimited one. But God can do anything. Whatever it is, don't put limits on it. I heard about a man, uh, it was just the other day, um, that he had lost his his memory, and he was prayed for. Nothing happened uh, apparently that that moment, but a week later, his memory completely came in. And uh, he had been in a, a war. I don't know if it was Afghanistan, wherever a bomb had gone off. He'd been injured, been paralyzed, and. Um, so his his memory his his thinking uh which is restored and his wife had uh a little bit of, had a bad dream and she just was snuggling to him you know just for you know comfort and and he goes i feel you and he had been paralyzed and this was like a, a month or so later God restored the use of that side. He no longer paralyzed. Hallelujah. Nothing is too hard for God. Completely restored. Nothing's too hard. Get your feelings. Well, I feel like this is too hard. Get your feelings out of the way. Well, I haven't seen this before. We'll see through the cross. Mm. Hallelujah. God can do things in the financial arena that many 
never <laughs> ever enter into because they think it's not something the Lord will answer, but the Lord will answer. There was a man that and his wife, they, it was a series of events that happened, but they, they needed, this several years ago, needed $10,000. And they had to have it the next day. And uh, they were in Alaska. They were believers. And they were just at that point, said, God, we're just, all we can do is trust you, $10,000. And they get that morning. And there's a knock at the door. They go to the door, and there's a St. Bernard. The St. Bernard has a little keg underneath it, like you picture him having, whatever. St. Bernard, when they open the door, comes into the home and, and sits there. And they're petting the dog and everything, trying to feed the dog, whatever, and all this. And, and it, it kept kind of moving its neck, so they finally take the thing off. They open it up, there's $10,000 in there. And, you know, they didn't go, well, I wonder where the owner is. Now, they, they knew this was God. God did this. And so we'd like to thank whoever did this. And they, they opened the door and they said, we're going to follow you. You know, where's your owner? You know, where, where are you from? And they, they turned their head, looked back. and they, Now, we know all dogs go to heaven, so... But the dog was gone. I mean, whatever, I'm, God knows where you're at and will reach you. He dearly loves you. Dearly. <laughs> yes. Yes. Hallelujah. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus, hallelujah. Yeah, that, it changes everything when you know how much you're loved. Changes everything. Thank you, thank you. Bless you, sir. Hallelujah. When I, I know I've shared this many times, but I'll never forget when I heard the, the Lord speak to me and say, hey, Bob. And I never experienced so much love is just calling my name. The love of God overwhelmed me. I, I was up the rest of the night. I went in the next day to work. That was on the Friday. I went in lit. I mean, I didn't have enough sense back in those days. I mean, if you came near me, you were hearing and all this. Uh, now I'd use a little bit more wisdom, but I'd still spread it around, but more wise. But anyway, so I'm telling everyone, and of course my, my best friend looks at me, and he, uh, I could tell he wanted to believe me, you know, he loved me and everything, but, you know, he was kind of, had that little bit of a dazed look, you know, and so anyway, he went home, and he, was, um, he went to his church. He went to, it was a good 
Baptist church and everything, and he said his pastor was teaching Sunday school class. He said one of the people asked him a question, said, has the Lord ever spoken to you? And, um, and let me back up. I went in that Monday, and the way I came in Friday, he came in Monday. He was lit. He couldn't wait to get with me and talk to me. And he's telling this story. And a lady asked, uh, Pastor, have you ever heard the Lord speak to you? And he said, yes, I have. And said, well, what did he say? He said, hey, Wilbur. And I had my best friend back. But the whole thing was the love that just in calling my name, I was overwhelmed by the love of God. I still, I mean, if I meditate on that very long, I will, I will sense that again. I just, that, that love is, and heaven's permeated with just awesome, just awesome. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.